What's up, Wildside besties and baddies? I'm Bailey. And I'm Chelsea, and we're here to walk you through the wild sides. From homicides to hostides and everything in between. We're so glad you're here, so buckle up and enjoy the ride. So we decided to give you guys a little sprinkle of Christmas magic. We decided to give you guys a little extra episode since it is the holiday season. So I hope you guys are here for it. I know a lot of you guys are hopefully taking some time off for the holidays. Hopefully you're going to be sitting around and detoxing a little bit. So we just figured since you would be home that you would need, you know, you would need a little bit of true crime in your life. Yeah, absolutely. What better gift than us coming through your Alexa talking about deep, dark, mysterious, and disturbing things. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I have to say, every every year around Christmas time, it always makes me think of uh, my just longest friend and one of our, well, one of our quasi-listeners, uh, my BFF <laughs> from 1994. 19- 94, 93, I think technically 93, uh, is my, is my friend Megan. So, you know, we referenced that we grew up on things like Edward Scissorhands and Are You Afraid of the Dark? So when I say we, I mean like you and I, Bailey and I grew up on that. Now, my friend Megan absolutely did not. She was scared to death of all things, even remotely spooky. Um, And, you know, how this all started, talking about Christmas, she shows up in true Megan fashion. She shows up on my doorstep Christmas Day on her little bike, you know, in her 1993 teal and purple bike. (laughs) Rings the doorbell, right? And dad, let me guess, dad made you play with her. Yes, yes, always, yes. always. Dad answers the door, comes back <laughs> in, and he's like, Chelsea. And I'm like, What? And he said, There is a little girl outside of the door and she wants to play with you. And I said, Who is it? And he said, I don't know. I think she said her name was Megan. You need to, do you know her? And I said, Oh. Yes, we read the book together. <laughs> we have the same homeroom together. And he was like, okay, go outside and play. And I was just like, no. Dad always made you go and play with people because Chelsea was just like, no. Mm-mm. No, thank you. No. I that, I will that... hang out in my room and reorganize my caboodle. And I'm not joking. <laughs> I was so introverted. I was so antisocial. Like it was, it really was so bad. And so he pretty much made, he, he literally said, you will go outside and you will play with this little girl, you know? And Megan is just like, hi, let's go ride our bikes. And then we'll go right up to the street and then we'll go over to my house. And I think my mom can cook us something and then we can make hot chocolate and then we can play a game and then we can watch TV. And I am just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay. All right. right. And so surprisingly, um, 
I talked with Megan just the other day because, like I said, our paths have crossed. I mean, that could literally be a whole series of how many times our paths have crossed, excuse me, throughout the year. And I was talking to Megan and she said, you know, you guys really should look into and cover this true crime uh, case that happened in Amarillo. I want to say maybe two, maybe two years ago. So um, she, like I said, she is... She's one of my just best good friends. I, I'm so excited. And every Christmas, I always think that's kind of our friendiversary and we celebrate being friends. I think this year we're up to like 30 years or something. It's it's wild. But hopefully here in the next, uh, you know, few months, we can cover this case out of Amarillo, Texas. Yeah. Megan is so cute. She's She's always been the cutest. And so are her parents. And... They're, I just love them so much. And we'd go try to f- catch tadpoles in the creek behind our house. I always remember that. Oh, yeah. They they are seriously like the epitome Midwestern, just the sweetest, sweetest family. And they're, they're so cute. <clears throat> and they also never forget anything. Like they bring up all the time the fact that Bailey friggin' picks up a rock and does what and do you remember this do you remember what you did like the beginning of your vandalizing streak when you were four years old i wrote my name in their car with a rock but i wasn't i wasn't trying to be mean like i remember in my four-year-old brain that i literally like you know how if there's a uh, like a scratch on a table or something and you lick your finger and you run over it and it kind of blends in, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that that was going to be the same thing that it would just get wet, it would rain and the scratches would go away. Like in my four year old brain, and so I was sitting out there and it was their brand new maroon station wagon and I wrote my name with a rock in their new paint. And that just gives you guys an idea of who I was for, like, my whole life. And And what was so cute is they really weren't even that mad about it. Like, they were just like, oh, Bailey. (sighs) Yeah, and I'm sure Dad ripped my ass. Oh, oh, Dad. Oh, don't you? It's like, we don't do this in this family. But... Mm-mm. They really are. I've been so I've been so blessed and so thankful to have them. But yeah, Christmas time always makes me think of of sweet Megan. Make Maggie me be more extroverted. And I honestly, I probably would be on the other end of this podcast if it hadn't been <laughs> yeah. for someone like you would be like playing with matches and like kill your family, like burn your house down. Oh y'all, I was such an odd duck. Man, I I really, you know, people like my friend Melanie that we talked about in our first episode, people like Megan, um, you know, and even people like my sister in law have really helped me like, okay, let's go. Let's be happy and get out of the house and i think i've i don't know i think i've kind of more we've reversed roles yeah. chelsea used to be so <laughs> introverted and i was so extroverted i there wasn't a person that i met who i didn't like <laughs> and then i think when i hit like 25 i'm i'm pretty sure i'm a dog it's like dog years yeah. so 25 for me was like i turned 80 immediately <laughs> I- <laughs> And I was like, I cannot handle overstimulation. I cannot handle stupid shit and stupid people. And like my best friend in the whole wide world, Sarah, 
we became friends because I had to teach her something at this job that we had together. And she was on her phone and I looked at her and I was like, could you be more fucking rude? Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to show you and you're too busy on your phone. Like, that's so disrespectful and I'm not wasting my time if you're not interested. <laughs> what? Who does that? And I was like 23. <laughs> and now we're best friends because, you know, my life went to shit and she offered me to move into her apartment with her. Even though I was like, you're so rude. Get off your phone. She could have been like, oh, you know, you're homeless now. Oh, sorry. But she didn't. So took you in. You know, we, we have to give credit where credit's due. We have some really great friends and really great people in our life. So we hope so, we can yeah. be that for you guys. Bring you a little bit of joy. Uh, in the- A little bit of Christmas joy in this double murder <laughs> episode. <laughs> Home light is coming. <laughs> oh God. These people are gonna be listening to this episode at their family function on speaker and they're it's gonna start a it's gonna start a rift in a family somewhere. Um so we this is you guys' Christmas from the wild side. Um, we're not the best gift givers, but it's the thought that counts. <laughs> All right. So this is the case of, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right on into it. Cause I know we've, we've yes. bantered back and forth. We don't want to take up all you guys' time, but this is the case of Ryan Waller and Heather Kwan. I wasn't really sure how to title this because there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to keep it with their names and then we'll get kind of the details as we go through it. Okay. okay. So per usual, Bailey starting these shows or these episodes, I'm going to do a little quick intro and then we're going to dive deep into this rabbit hole. So Christmas season is one of the happiest times of the year. It's filled with family, friends, presents, and hot apple cider. Mm-hmm. But for one couple living in Phoenix, Arizona, one Christmas was filled with death and trauma. In 2006, 18-year-old Ryan Waller was living in a house in Phoenix with his 21-year-old girlfriend, Heather Kwan. Ryan and Heather were, by all accounts, a happy couple looking forward to their lives together and everything that you want these relationships to start off as, this is how their relationship started off as. Okay. Ryan Waller was born February 12th, 1988. Holla holla to the 88 people out there. Oh, that's mom's birthday, February 12th. Aw. We're like off to such a good start. We're off to a really good start. And he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. So at some point in his childhood, there was not a lot of information about his background. Um, In fact, this whole case was really, what are those types of um, like trash magazines and articles that pop up? Oh, right, right. Kind of like the Esquire 
news yeah like sensational like not really reliable i guess there were tons and tons and tons of those and so i had to like roll my sleeves up and dig deep to find like credible site-worthy sources right so you guys are gonna have a little bit of both you're gonna have a little bit of trashy you know esquire type of things but you're also gonna have some pretty substantial stuff okay so anyways at some point in his childhood, Ryan and his family moved to Maricopa County, Arizona, where he would spend the rest of his childhood growing up in Maricopa County. And so Maricopa County in Arizona houses the mega metropolis that is Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Phoenix is, like, super huge? You know, I... I know it's where- the fifth largest city in the United States. Oh, no. Then apparently I had no idea that it was that big. Yeah. Fifth? It is the fifth, the fifth largest city in the United States, Phoenix. I mean, I knew it had a lot going for it, but okay. All right, Phoenix. Get on with your bad self. Get on with your bad self. Who lives in Phoenix, though? I lived in Phoenix. <laughs> I know. Right outside of Phoenix. It didn't last for very long. No, because it's reverse claustrophobia. Um, if you guys have ever been to Arizona, it is reverse claustrophobia. It's so open, but there's no water. Um, and there's no luscious green trees. We always grew mm-hmm. up in like that thick green luscious humid areas Mm -hmm. and arizona was just like dry and there was no water and i'd find myself like panicking because i couldn't see water or trees Hmm. Mm -hmm. it was real weird it was real hard yeah i mean it is quite desolate it is a full-blown desert but apparently a lot of people like it i don't know I, i mean it's super cool but it's not really my cup of tea right Okay, so Ryan graduated from high school around 2006, but again, not much other information about that. Ryan's girlfriend, Heather Marie Kwan, she was born on April 10th, 1985, and she was from Glendale, Arizona, which is like just a stone's throw from Phoenix. I think that's my brother-in-law's birthday, April 10th. Weird. Wow. We got a lot. We got a lot of cross- crossing over you know, on this one. yeah mm. yeah i have a feeling that this can get bad though because i'm like oh birthdays so fun living their life in phoenix so cute Mm-mm. yeah it's gonna get what did grammy used to say capital bad oh capital bad it's B-A-D. girls are being capital bad so and that's and a the shame bad. the shame wow. from that still lives in my bones oh yeah no it's <laughs> It's like next level bad guys. You don't yeah. want anybody to say that you're capital BAD. Mm-mm. Especially from Lavanna. No. Sweet Lavanna. So Heather graduated Mountain Ridge High School in 2003 and completed her education at Glendale Community College and Arizona State University, respectively. Heather had plans, of course, because they always do, these wonderful humans. They had plans of attending law school in hopes to achieve her dreams of becoming a defense attorney. She had it together, man. Good for her. Like, yeah. I'm really, I'm always proud of the people who are like, I'm going to graduate high school and then I'm going to go to JUCO and save a ton of money. <clears throat> and then I'm going to go, you know, to the state university and again, save money, get good experience. 
And then I'm going to go and be become a lawyer and I'm going to save the whole world. Yeah. Saving money. Literally. Mm-hmm. How great is that? Yeah. And by all reports, Heather was kind, loving, and strong-willed, and she had really big plans for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even though this episode is probably going to drop Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. we did that so you can really fill the whole timeline of the story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So make sure to have safe words in your family. I don't mean like sex safe words. I mean like <laughs> pineapple. Pineapple now. Pineapple. Like make sure that you have safe words. So like if you don't show up to a Christmas dinner and you were expected, then you know, welfare checks and things will happen. I mean, if you want to do safe words with your family too, like no judgment here. I'm a kink allied therapist, so whatever ruction folks. <laughs> Okay, so on Christmas Day, 2006, Ryan and Heather had plans to have Christmas dinner with Ryan's family. But when they did not show up and nobody could get in touch with either one of them, Ryan's family begins to worry. Where are they? (sighs) Bailey, where are they? I don't know. I do know, but you don't know yet, but I'll let you know. Why are they not at... It's Christmas dinner, you said? Christmas dinner. Why are they not there? So on December 26th, the day after, Phoenix officers arrived to Heather and Ryan's residence to do a welfare check. Police officers knock and Ryan answers. When he opens the door, Ryan was definitely a sight to see. He had a black eye that was swollen shut a large gash on his nose, and other wounds on his face. So Ryan opened the door? Yes. And he was all beat to crap? Yes. But why wasn't he at dinner? Why Why didn't he call You're his You're going to have to hold your horses. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. What's going on, dude? Obviously, Ryan's appearance was alarming, to say the least, to the police officers that were there. Can I also when, just say one thing really quick? I'm so glad that we've continued talking and I didn't ask the question earlier because when you said welfare check, I thought you meant like a supplemental check from the government. Oh, no. So I'm so thankful that you have cleared, clarified that we mean like making sure you're okay welfare yeah. check from a po- local police station because yes. I was like, are we going to talk about welfare fraud? Because that's crazy. So. I got you. No, this is like literally someone checking to make sure that you're okay because okay. family members are worried. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So when the officers there who were doing a welfare check, not giving a welfare check. No. No. They were, not the ver- version day. of it, they yeah. were exercising a welfare check. hmm mm-hmm. They peered past Ryan into the home where they could see the body of a young woman laying on the couch. Okay. Upon further inspection, police would soon determine that this was the the body of Heather Kwan, and she was deceased and had been for a bit of time. What? Yeah. And I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. 
An important thing to note is that when officers arrived at the house, Ryan was behaving oddly. He wasn't making much sense when he spoke. So like okay. incoherent? Kind of, yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that a little bit in the next piece. Okay. He kept saying things like he had been sleeping for three days. When the officers asked about Heather and when they kept asking him what happened, he just couldn't remember. Now, here is the scene in front of you. You've got a guy who was kind of reported AWOL, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't come to family dinner. People are worried. And you get to his house. He opens up the door. No one is at home. The roommate's not there, right? And his face is all busted up, and his girlfriend is dead on the couch. Yeah, I would think we have a domestic situation. Yeah, and and I and I paint this picture for for a reason. Yeah, okay. I mean that's where that's where I would go. I'm like, you know, they got upset. She was like, I hate your family. They cook the worst Christmas dinner, and I'm not eating there anymore. And he was like, Don't talk about my family like that. And then mm -hmm. bada bing, bada boom, here we are. Yeah, I feel like it's a normal open and closed case. The end. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it would also be too much of a stretch to assume, like you said, the guy standing in front of you with a busted face, at the very least, he should be apprehended and questioned. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he did it. He kind of, it was too much. The stress was too much. The holiday season was too much. He snapped. He accidentally yeah. killed her, you know, kind of raged out. And here he is. Mm -hmm. Easy breezy. So police arrested Ryan on suspicion of homicide and took him down to the police station. And this is just the beginning of the wild shit show that will transpire. Oh my. Okay. Oh my. Oh my. That made me think of Ace Ventura when he knocks that dude out at that party and throws him over his shoulders. <laughs> and he's like, oh, dude, dollars yeah. Mr. Monopoly Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. All right. So Ryan, okay. Ryan is at the police. He's at the police station. Right? Yes. He he's is at the him. police station. And there's a lot of hours that transpire between, like, I think it was two hours and a couple of the reports that I read from being apprehended at the home to actually getting into, like, the interrogation room and the police department from the time officers apprehended ryan to the interrogation process it had already been in total about six to eight hours from apprehension to the end of this process okay and that's going to come you're going to need that little nugget later on okay while in police custody and while being interrogated ryan's bizarre interactions just continued if you watch the interrogation video and i will put the link in the the show notes mm -hmm. he is sitting in this like white jumpsuit in the interrogation room and he's sitting with both of his legs to his chest in a chair oh, okay like this guy's shocked right like he's like there's something there's right something. And, I'm, and i'm gonna really try to paint this picture then he moves to sprawling his legs on top of the table like barefoot just kind of like leaning back, sprawling his legs. And it doesn't look disrespectful. It just looks like this. 
I literally wrote, his demeanor to me looks like a 12-year-old boy. Hmm. Okay. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm just saying that his mannerisms and his interactions don't correlate with the fact that he's 18 and he's a functional member of society. Right, right, right. Okay. Huh. So Detective Paul Dalton, and I'm going to end up referring to um, this gentleman as DD, Detective Dalton. Okay. But I don't want to say Detective Dalton 48 times, so I'm just going to say DD. Okay. <laughs> so DD was the one running the interview of Ryan while Ryan was in custody. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the interrogation process, after verifying Ryan's date of birth and social security no- number, Dee Dee asks Ryan, do you know why you're here, Ryan? And Ryan responds with no. Then Dee Dee begins with this rapport building process, if you will, by saying he's still trying to understand what happened, presumably like with Heather, with Heather's death at the house. Mm -hmm. And he begins by asking Ryan, like, have you ever seen Cops, the TV show or something like that? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And Ryan says, No. So Dee Dee asks if he's ever seen like cop or criminal movies or shows, and Ryan says, "Yeah, okay, okay." Now while Dee Dee is going through this, Ryan keeps bending his neck to one side, like he's trying to pop his neck or trying to relieve pressure that you can get from like a tension headache. Like I do that a lot. Yeah. And so when I was watching this interrogation video, he keeps pulling his neck to the side kind of like he's stretching out or he's frustrated or there's tension right so dd reads ryan his brand rights and ryan just kind of grunts with understanding dd asks what his highest grade he finished in school and ryan responds with i don't know okay and then when asked again ryan says eighth like he graduated eighth in his class? No, like that's the highest level grade completed was eighth grade. Oh. Which is weird because Ryan graduated from high school. Okay. okay. All right. Then he's asked if he graduated. Ryan says, yeah. So he asked what his highest grade of education was and he said eighth. And the next question was, did you graduate? And Ryan says, yeah. Okay. All right. He's asked if he has a GED and responds with, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to go home. DD asks Ryan what the highest grade he completed, and Ryan says, B. Like a B. Yeah. Like a grade yeah, B. Like a, yeah, like I got a B. I overall did pretty good in high school. I would have given myself a B. Right. So after that, DD asks... Like- I was just, I mean, is this dude tripping out? Like, what is, I'm like, I've never, I've never seen responses. This is. Oh, just wait. Just wait. Okay. I mean, and I'm around a lot of middle school, high school. Like, we both are around people kind of Mm -hmm. of that age group, right? And you get some people that are caught in lies and they are saying some weird stuff, right? Where you're like, eh, that's cap. That's, but that's like, this is, this is bizarre, right? Yeah. How bizarre. How bizarre. So after he asks him what his grade is, and he says a B, 
DD asks Ryan if he has a girlfriend. He goes, mm, uh-uh. Okay, like, mm, nope. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then asks if he knows a girl named Heather. And Ryan says, quote, the one that lives there right now. End quote. Right? Okay. And Dee Dee is like, I don't know her. I don't know, but her name is Heather. What's her last name? And Ryan says, I don't know what name she's trying to use as her last one. She's trying to have a real last one because her nickname, I don't know. Okay. That was literally verbatim what he said in the interrogation video. Do you remember the movie with Edward Norton years ago where he faked insanity to get himself off of this murder case, like this murder conviction? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't like know this is giving me um oh man, I wish I wish I could remember. It's something like primal fear or something. Oh yeah, primal fear. Is I was that reading what about is? that the other day? Yeah. And where he full-blown, like, pretends to be absolutely insane to get off of that murder um, mm -hmm. conviction or whatever. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is almost giving me, like, is he just, like, pretending to be insane to get himself off of a murder case? Yeah. Ooh, this is creepy. Yeah, it's real weird. But, but you are picking up on, like, how odd this is. Yeah, like, right? it is giving me literal chill bumps. Like, yeah. that's crazy. When Detective Dalton, when Dee Dee asks for her last name, Ryan says she probably goes by her last name, Kaiman. Nobody knows what that means. I don't know. Okay. He asks Ryan to spell that, and all Ryan can give is that it starts with a K. Okay. So Dee Dee asks how old Heather is, and Ryan says 16 or 17. And remember, Heather is 21. Right, yeah. Dee Dee asks how Ryan knew Heather, and he eventually says that they met in class, which was true. They met in a business class in college, I think, from the reports that I read. Okay. So Dee Dee then asks Ryan what happened to his face, and Ryan said, I don't know. Okay. So Dee Dee goes on to say, you told the officer a second ago that someone hit you. Who hit you? And Ryan kind of unsurprisingly responds with, I don't know, followed by, I think it was Heather. Okay. So naturally, this detective asks, and, and all of these questions track, right? Like what this detective is trying to ask and what he's trying to figure out. So he asks why heather would hit him and ryan says i don't know i think it was an accident i forgot why okay now during the majority of this conversation thus far ryan is sitting on the chair in the corner of the room he's got his back against the wall his feet tucked into the chair kind of like a little 12 year old boy yeah yeah like it's almost like a sitting fetal position right yes he's got his right hand on the side of his head facing the wall Mm -hmm. And in front of him, while Dee Dee is to his left, so he's facing the opposite side of the room, his back is to the corner, and the detective is to his left. Okay. 
right? Yeah. So Dee Dee asks why Heather would hit him, and Ryan says Heather's last name as a question. Hmm. Dee Dee asks again why Heather would hit him, and he said, I don't know. And then he said that she hit him with her hand in the eye. So she hit him in his eye with her hand. Okay. The detective is asking why she would hit him and what did they argue about. And Ryan starts getting more irritable at this point. He's he's just kind of all over the place. And he continues answering these questions, but it's still really, really bizarre. He says he doesn't know why, but it was an accident and denied that they were arguing and then says, I don't know. She was probably helping Christina with her hair. Okay. That's what he said. We don't know. I literally, literally my next capitalized words was, who's Christina? The detective asked, who's Christina? And Ryan says, she's on the couch. Right. But but Christina's not on the couch. Heather's on Christina, the couch. Christina, Heather's on the couch. Right. Crap. Dee Dee asks again, who's Christina? This is capital B-A-D, Bailey. This, this is, is capital B-A-D. Capital B-A-D. And so the detective asks again, who's Christina? And Ryan just continues saying he doesn't know. He can't describe her appearance because the detective's asking him, like, what does she look like? And Ryan says brown, maybe, about her hair color. He said about the color of her hair and that it's average and that she's 20, maybe. So this isn't making... Like, it sounds like he's describing Heather, right? Right. He's describing Christina. Christina. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Dee Dee then asks about Ryan's roommate, Alicia. And Ryan says he doesn't know she, who she is. Okay. So he doesn't know who Heather is and he doesn't know who Alicia is, but he sure as heck knows who Christina is. I mean, kind of. He doesn't even really know who that is either. But of the of the three, the fictional right. person is taking precedent. Yeah. Dee Dee keeps asking questions regarding these people. A guy named Eric, not really her- sure who that is. If Ryan has their contact numbers and Ryan just keeps saying, I don't know. I just want to go to sleep. That's all he keeps saying. Okay. Dee Dee circles back to who was in the house and Ryan says Heather and Christina, which there was no Christina in the house. At least that anybody knew. Then the detective says... And Christina was on the couch. And Ryan said, no, Heather was on the couch. Oh, okay. So, okay. So earlier he was like, no, that was Christina. Now it's back to Heather. Okay, right. Ryan is just kind of mumbling these answers saying, I really don't know what happened, man. I just want to sleep. He says it probably 160 times in this interrogation process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dee Dee continues to ask questions and most of them being met with, I don't know. Eventually getting to, do you know Eric's girlfriend's name? And Ryan says Heather, which is his girlfriend's name. Right. And we don't know who Eric is. We don't know who Christina is, and we don't know who Eric is. No. Okay. Dee Dee asked if Heather was over the night before, and Ryan says, yeah. And then Dee Dee says, and Heather did that to you, pointing at Ryan's face. Mm-hmm. And Ryan says, did what? Mm. And Dee Dee is like the black eye dude, and Ryan says, "No, Alicia." 
which is now his roommate. Okay. Isn't this so far just the most confusing, bizarre stuff? Like, yes. So I feel people who are detectives and investigators are probably a special breed of people because I imagine if I were in that role, I would just pretty much have one of those like, mm, like I would, I would look like David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Like, oh mm, yeah, like mm-hmm. okay, you're not making any sense, right? And so Ryan says no, Alicia, regarding what happened to his face, and mm-hmm. the detective says, why would Alicia do that? And Ryan says, I don't know, she probably hit it on something. Didi is patient, but he's getting frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he finally says. Ryan, there's a dead girl in your living room. And Ryan asks, she's dead? Heather? And Dee Dee says, I want to know what happened. And Ryan again asks, the girl on the couch is dead? And Dee Dee says, I don't know if she's on the couch, she's dead. Because remember, they, they're still likely trying to confirm her identity. So they weren't entirely sure that it was Heather. They assumed okay. it was, but they can't for sure right. say. right. Then Ryan says, well, these people came over, Richie and his dad, with a shooting arrow blowing darts. With a shooting arrow blowing darts. Yes. Okay. You know what? And he continues, you know what I'm talking about? He hit me with her. He hit me and her with those. That's it. And he continues with, Heather wasn't there Eric wasn't there. It was just me and Heather. So Heather wasn't there. Eric wasn't there. It was just him and Heather. This sounds like that who's on first skit from way back when, like, who's on first? Who? What? What's on second? Who's on second? Like, oh, yeah. So Dee Dee confirms, okay, so it was just you and Heather there when what happened? And Eric and, sorry, and Ryan said, that's it. Richie and his dad tried to break in. Dee Dee asks, who's Richie? And Ryan said, I don't know. They used to live there. Ryan identifies Richie, used to live there, and that Richie and his dad hit him in the face, stating they were trying to get their stuff. I don't know why. So Dee Dee confirms saying, so you said they had bow and arrows. And Ryan said, mm-hmm. They both had two revolvers and didn't leave any shells. Dee Dee clarifies and asks, then what happened? And Ryan said, then they shot us both. So Dee Dee says, where did they shoot you? And Ryan says, they shot me in the eye. Okay. Okay. And I put, okay, pause. There is so much to unpack at this point, right? Like... If this were you, based off of just what you've been hearing and seeing so far, what is your knee-jerk reaction saying? I'm just like, this dude's on drugs. He had a really bad trip. He was experimenting with LSD or shrooms. He had a bad, he had a bad trip. Yeah. And he's coming, coming down off of it. You know, like, and he's kind of getting into that fusion time of, like, reality is starting to kind of peek in, but he's still in that hallucination, 
that that's what I would say. I'm like right. the dude is coming down off of I, seriously a bad trip. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting about you saying that is, if I were just listening to this episode, right, mm-hmm. it would it would make a lot of sense. But when you watch the interrogation videos, he it's a it's a di- it's different. Mm-hmm. It's just different. I've spent most of my career working inpatient drug and alcohol treatment, right? Okay. So I, right. I literally see people coming in, detoxing, you right. know, coming down from bad trips, you know, all all the whole from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different dynamic when you see this guy in this interrogation room. Okay. okay. So it doesn't align with what your experience is on right. off of... I mean, they're def- I definitely don't know everything. And there's always a question when right. it comes to addiction. You're like, maybe it could be this, mm-hmm. but it's but it's different, right? I can't mm-hmm. quite put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. So de- this detective continues to interrogate Ryan, saying things like, did you shoot Heather? I hear you have a lot of guns in your house. Why don't you tell me what really happened? Mm-hmm. Right? And he's mm-hmm. trying to get to the point because this right. is just going around and around. Yeah. And Ryan just keeps saying that he doesn't know. Yeah. Dee again clarifies with Ryan that he was shot in the eye with a revolver and Ryan confirms this. Mm-hmm. So Dee asked if it was a BB gun and Ryan said, no, it was a revolver. Okay. Dee said, if they shot you in the eye with a revolver, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. And Ryan says, how would you know, man? And Dee said, you'd probably be dead. And Ryan responds with, that's what I thought too, man. I don't know. Okay. So Ryan is picking up some momentum at this point, And he says that Richie and his dad came to the back and shot Ryan in the face and then shot Heather. So he's like, um, what's the word? Kind of belligerent. That's not really the right word that I'm looking for. But he's kind of all over the place. And then he has this kind of stretch of like, quick responses that seems kind of coherent i was gonna say it's kind of that he's incoherent and then you have those it's so it's kind of like when you um anything that i've read about or seen when you're working with people that have alzheimer's disease they have these babbling you know they don't know who you are and then all of a sudden it's kind of oh it's kind of like nicholas sparks the notebook where the lady is like oh it's us. It's me. I'm her. You know, where you yeah. have these moments of like, oh. And that's what, it, that's what it looked and sounded like, right? Uh-huh. And so Ryan continues, said after he was shot, he fell to the ground and didn't he- hear Heather get shot. So the detective asks what Ryan did after that if he called 911 and Ryan, like, to check on her. And Ryan said, no, she was still sleeping, so I just let her sleep. And the detective says... She got shot in the side face and you just let her sleep. That This does not make sense, Ryan, right? This detective is like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And Ryan responds with, I know I didn't mean to, man. I'm sorry. I didn't know she was passing out. That's because I got shot wrong once and I was going to pass out. So again, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Yeah. And so the detective says, so you're saying right now you've been shot in the eye with a revolver. And Ryan says, yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. But earlier he said that somebody hit him with her hand. Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember you saying it was like, yeah, she hit me with her hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even after this, the detective continues to interrogate Ryan, telling him that he doesn't believe what Ryan is saying, um, that he doesn't believe that Ryan is telling the truth. And Ryan keeps professing that he will tell him the truth, but he doesn't know what happened. He's like, I'll tell you the truth. I'm being honest. I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't know. He just keeps this kind of theme. Mm-hmm. So Dee Dee asks Ryan again what happened the night before. And now Ryan says that her dad, quote unquote, came and shot the house, trying to say that Heather's dad had shot them. Okay. Dee Dee continues to push, asking what Ryan did after he was supposedly shot in the eye. And Ryan said, I tried to go back to sleep. Dee Dee keeps hounding him and hounding him. And he says, why didn't you call 911? And Ryan keeps saying he doesn't know. And on and on it goes. So finally, at 45 minutes into this interrogation video, the detective finally decides to take a look at Ryan's nose and eye. And while looking at it, he kind of puts, the detective kind of gingerly holds his head to take a look at his face. And Ryan says, ow, my head hurts. And the detective, with an all caps quickness, says, hang on, folds up his little interrogation binder and walks the fuck out of the interrogation room. What? Okay. I, I I really, yeah. So DD comes back into the room says that the fire department is coming to check him and likely they will take him to the hospital. Come to find out, are you ready for this? Turns out when Ryan was taken to the hospital, he had in fact been shot in the face with a 22 caliber handgun. No. They had to perform surgery because a fragment of his skull had broken off and damaged part of his brain. Oh my gosh, it's like a lobotomy situation, right? Like frontal lobe damage. So this is a TBI that we're dealing with. (gasps) Now with this new lens, does this all make sense? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh my goodness, that, that is insane. Oh my gosh, yes, that absolutely describes like the mannerisms and the incoherence and the, you know, his posture and why, why he kept wanting to go to sleep and why he kept wanting to go to sleep and, oh, snap and a half. Mm-hmm. So Ryan had to remain in the hospital for 35 days. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, ooh, oh, 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 hold on. You know what? Just. Oh, I'm thinking about you telling me his responses. And he's like, I know that's what I thought too, dude, where he was like, if you'd have been shot in the face, you would have been dead right now. And he was like, I know that's what I thought too, dude. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh, that gives me chills. And I have never really had to deal with fresh TBIs. Um, in my like professional career, the closest thing that I've dealt with are like again in in detox if a client has a seizure mm-hmm. um, because they're detoxing, um, like that kind of thing. And that's what I mean is like when you watch this interrogation video, 
it didn't really feel like drugs. It, he wasn't that erratic. He was pretty right. calm. He was pretty right. kept together, but he just wasn't there, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I know substances can look like that, but I, I don't really know how to verbalize the difference. It just right. felt different, right? right. Yeah. So like I said, Ryan had to remain in the hospital for 35 days. As a result, Ryan lost some of his brain, his left mm -hmm. eye, and experienced seizures for years, essentially surviving the shooting, but being left with severe, not only emotional and mental trauma, but physical trauma and lifelong injuries. Oh my goodness. Him? When Ryan was in police custody, the entire time he was being interrogated, he literally had a bullet in his head. Oh my goodness. But okay. But seriously, how would you know that? Nobody in their right mind would be after what you'd seen. You know what I mean? Like, there's and that's no that's fair. That's fair. And again, to play devil's advocate, the dude's face was busted, so he should have at least gotten medical attention. That's true. Yeah. Right? Because that's, that's, I'm not a cop. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a judge. I'm not a legal professional, but I'm pretty sure it's like standard um, protocol, protocol that they need to be screened like, and, and have like a, like a, what, a physical, if you will. That's not the right word, but like yeah. a wealth a assessment. A medical, yeah, a medical examination of some yeah. of some sort. You know, kind of check to make sure that your eyes are dilating or responding, mm -hmm. like make sure that you're not in shock or that That's, you're... Yeah, yeah. and even if it was like a, like a domestic violence thing, even if he was the culprit or the perpetrator, he could have gotten a TBI, but she could have hit a, you know, a frying pan over his head. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That and good point. not only that, but he said that he had been shot. And I know it was incoherent, but that could have been grounds to just say, hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of one of those situations that you would never expect it. And it's easy, again, for us to look back and say, you should have oh. done this. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And there have been multiple, I know there have been multiple, obviously not related to this, but there have been multiple cases where you look back and you're just like, golly, that was dumb. I should have, should have, would have, could have done that. But, yeah. Yeah. So what's more is that, come to find out, Ryan not only had a bullet in his head, right, when he was being interrogated. Apparently, he had it for three days since December 23rd. Oh, because you said that on the couch, it looked like the girl had been there for quite some time. And so, and what we'll find out is it this is the situation happened on December 23rd. And so the December 25th rolls around. He didn't show up for dinner. Nobody could get in touch with him. Oh the cops goodness. didn't come until the 26th, technically. Oh, goodness. So this is like by this time, by the interrogation, because I think it was like two in the morning kind of thing. Um, it's been almost three days, maybe two and a half days that oh. he's been walking around literally with a bullet in his head. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that makes my stomach hurt. Mm-hmm. So what the hell, what the hell happened on December 23rd that resulted in the death of Heather Kwan 
and Ryan Waller taking a bullet to the face. I mean, it to me, it's like the death of Heather Kwan and the attempted murder mm-hmm. of Ryan Waller. Mm-hmm. So on the afternoon of December 23rd, 2006, Ryan and Heather were sitting in the living room of their Phoenix home, enjoying their new pad. Uh, I think the reports were they had only lived there for like a month and a half. They had yeah. just moved in. Yeah. So there they are, two days before Christmas, enjoying their first Christmas holiday as a couple, yeah. when there's a knock at the door. According to the Maricopa County DA's office, unbeknownst to Ryan and Heather, Richie Carver, because remember, he, in yeah. his interrogation, he said the name Richie. Yeah, he said that Richie used to live there, right? Mm-hmm. Richie Carver, who was Ryan's former roommate, mm. a previous roommate, had come to Ryan's house bringing with him the intention of a violent break-in. Supposedly, Richie was seeking revenge for a presumed altercation that he had had with Ryan previously. The reports aren't really sure. Like, there's lots of speculation and lots of theories, but there's no for sure kind of what the reason or motivation behind this was. Right. It was reported that these ex-roommates had had their fair share of disagreements in the past that lasted for a while, even getting to the point of physical conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. Some reports believe or claim that Richie may have approached Heather kind of in a uh, assuming sexual kind of way, and it really pissed mm-hmm. Ryan off. Right. And so it created additional or became the primary tension in that dynamic. Okay. Right? Regardless, Richie had his own motive, right? So as I said, Richie is on his way and he's bringing his dad with him, Larry. Come on. You know what, Larry? No. No. Larry, that's where you say, son, I know you're upset. This is not the way to handle it. We don't use our hands to deal with disagreements. We use our words like a professional, (laughs) well-rounded human being. It's so funny because when you see Larry Carver's picture in the voice you just did, (laughs) it's so great. Okay. So, as I said, Larry and Richie roll up to Ryan's house. And so they knock. And when Ryan goes to open the door, he quickly realizes who's at the door and understands that this is not a good situation. Peephole. Peephole, Ryan. Come on, man. I thought you were saying people. No. Literally look out the people. Literally look out the people, Ryan. Yeah. If you had been a true crime podcast person, you would know. You look out the people. I just wouldn't answer the door because, well, who the fuck's at my house? That's true. Like, if I don't know you're coming, I'm probably not going to answer the door because, like, I invite you know, an average 1.34 persons per year to my household. Right. Correct. Correct. It's like that. It's like I've seen these memes and it was like, what do you do if someone comes up to you and says, I'm your mommy's friend, get in the car with me. And the little girl's like, "Uh, that's a lie. My mom doesn't have any friends. Yeah. The baby's going to be saved from that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Ryan immediately tries to close the door, but not before Richie Carver stuck his arm inside and shot Ryan in the face with the 22 caliber pistol. What a jerk. Like, 
how dumb. You're such a... Mm -hmm. Ryan obviously falls back, which allowed Richie and his father to trespass into the home. They found Heather Kwan sitting on the couch, and Richie and his father believed Ryan to be dead, so they knew that they could not leave a witness. So they shot Heather Kwan in the head at, like, point-blank range, which killed her instantly. After they shot both Ryan and Heather, the father-son duo, which is, like, the cap... This is the epitome of trash, okay? I'm sorry. I mean, other than murder, that's, of course, is, is super trashy. Like, nobody... That doesn't look good on anybody. But then they went through the house and stole several weapons and a computer. Like, what the fuck? is it is it time is it time for me to say it what do you think it's time for me to say it get a better hobby oh get a better father-son bonding experience go canoeing i mean oh well you can't there's no water there's no water maybe that's why maybe they go hunt for scorpions in your spare time do something go to the mall they have lots of go play golf i think phoenix has a lot of golf courses i mean like if you really want to get wild like smoke meth on your own that's fine. Just like rope yourself in your own house and like succumb to addiction or do whatever. Like, don't bring other people around around right? you down. Right. But seriously, why are you doing it as a father son duo? Come on, Larry. Well, I yeah. I mean that. I think that gives that speaks to the dynamic, right? Right. So, do you remember how in the interrogation when the detective kept asking Ryan why he did not call nine one one? Well. After Ryan and Heather were shot, and as we know, Heather died at the scene, but it left Ryan too injured to call for help, so he went back to sleep, right? TBI makes total sense now. Absolutely. You know a lot, lot more about this than I do, but frontal lobe, that's kind of your decision-making mm-hmm. uh, personality. personality. Like your, your body will fully function. Like that's mm-hmm. That has nothing, the frontal lobe has nothing to do with your body being able to literally have, you know, organ functions and stuff like that. It's all on decision making it's not the medulla oblongata (laughs) (laughs) right though ryan was literally suffering from a tbi during the entire interrogation process by some miracle he was still able to be somewhat coherent enough to identify the real perpetrators who murdered who murdered heather kwan and who attempted to murder himself oh my goodness he had identified his former roommate Richie Lee Carver and Richie's father, Larry Lloyd Carver. Luckily, both were soon apprehended. Police officers detained Richie almost a week after Ryan Waller left the hospital. Then Larry, Richie's dad, was essentially handed over to police by Richie's mother just the following week because he shared with her some incriminating statements about the murder of Heather and the attempted murder of Ryan. So Richie's mama turned his daddy over to police. Okay. Don't sing her praises yet. No, please let me. Please let me do a good job Mm -mm. for not enabling Mm -mm. bad behavior. Nope, not yet. Oh, no. I literally wrote later in this, I'm going to say I hate an enabler more than anything. Mm -hmm. So just hold that. Okay. Okay. Richie was arrested and charged with misconduct involving weapons, aggravated assault, and murder. Mm -hmm. During Richie Carver's trial, his initial defense was that he had an alibi and that the defense argued that it was mistaken identity. 
mm-hmm. playing into Ryan's TBI, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, again, playing devil's advocate, during the interrogation, there was a lot going on. And it was nonsensical. Right. So the defense was absolutely going to play into that. Right. Richie Carver's mother and sister both provided testimony under oath that Richie was home in bed at the time of the shooting. No, nope, no. Mama Carver, Sister Carver, no ma'ams, no ma'am. So they didn't, they enabled him and they lied and gave him an alibi. Richie Carver testified himself at his trial that he never went to the victim's house on the night of the shooting and that he never owned nor carried a gun at the time. I mean, like, how do you prove that legally? I mean, you could have gotten it illegally. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, whatever you're trying to say, your word of mouth or whatever. During the trial, Richie and his legal team also tried for a third party culpability defense, essentially arguing that they could offer proof that there was another potential perpetrator that was the real culprit and that Ryan was mistaken that Richie and his dad were totally innocent. Okay. This offer of proof was based on the defense's interviews with other residents at the house who acknowledged that Heather had a prior boyfriend named Bose. Okay. Okay. Apparently, Bose was jealous of Ryan. Ryan was worried about him, insinuating that Bose's character was dangerous. Based on the interviews, Richie and his defense team argued that Bose posed a, quote, theoretical threat to Ryan. Mm-hmm. So the defense is essentially saying, like, hey, I didn't do it, but this guy is probably a really good option for who probably did it. Right. right? With this, Ryan and the other residents of the house could should take the stand and be questioned in order to really solidify this third party culpability defense. Ryan did eventually testify about this at an evidentiary hearing. After considering the evidence presented, the court decided that they could find no support about this Bose character to make this a relevant defense. So it essentially was denied by the court. Okay. After a lengthy trial, Richie Carver was eventually convicted in June of 2008 for felony murder, burglary, aggravated assault, and misconduct involving weapons, and he was sentenced to a natural, a term of natural life. And apparently, I did some research on this because I didn't know what that really meant. I mean, I assumed what it meant, but I didn't know for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. In the state of Arizona, according to the Salwin Law Group in Arizona, a quote-unquote natural life sentence means that the defendant given the sentence will be imprisoned for one's term of life, and it does not carry the possibility of any form of early release. So it's essentially you're going to die in prison. Okay. Okay. The only way that you could get out of that is if you get a formal pardon by the governor and this governor's not going to be like, Richie, you're cool. Right. Here's yeah, your pardon. Right? Let's, let's release you and hope that you do this again. Right. Ugh. Now, Richie Carver was found guilty in 2008, five years before his father was in 2013. So this was a long, long process. This was an interesting turn of events, legally speaking, regarding the trial around Larry. The case against Larry Carver was based in part on confessions he made to his wife, Cheryl. Remember how she kind of turned him over? 
The autopsy of Heather's body indicated that the murder occurred on December 23rd, as Cheryl had stated, and not December 25th, as detectives initially assumed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fragments of a 22 caliber ammunition recovered during the autopsy at the crime scene corroborate Cheryl's implication that Larry used a 22 caliber weapon at the murder. Mm-hmm. So these were the criminating statements that Leary had told Cheryl that she had initially told detectives. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this incriminating evidence was ultimately dismissed after Cheryl invoked her marital privilege and refused to testify against her husband. No, okay, no, Cheryl, like, don't do it halfway. You know, like, if you're going to turn him in, go ahead and testify. That's the right thing to do. Right. So I had heard of marital privilege cases before, but I wasn't really entirely sure what it meant. So, again, I looked it up. Specifically for this case in Arizona, the marital privilege law states, A person shall not be examined as a witness in the following cases. A husband for or against his wife without her consent, nor a wife for or against her husband without his consent, as to events occurring during the marriage, and a lot of other stuff that I put in there, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to read all of that. But essentially, you can choose not to testify against your par- your partner if you're married in the state of Arizona, based off of like information they gave you, mm-hmm. like the the court system can't force you to do that. So that's that marital privilege. Um, These exceptions do not apply in a criminal action or proceeding for a crime committed by the husband against the wife. So if Larry had done something to Cheryl or vice versa, then it, I guess, kind of like moots the whole law thing. Mm -hmm. And so then you can testify against each other. But since that didn't happen, she didn't have to testify against him. Hmm. Okay. Right. So essentially, even though Larry's wife turned him over to the police, she ultimately decided not to testify against him about his alleged statements to her at the time of the offenses. And due to the marital privilege law at the time, she did not have to. Mm -hmm. She could not be forced to testify. And because of this, there was not much other evidence of his involvement, which resulted in the dismissal of the charges. He was dismissed? The charges. The charges were dismissed off of Larry? Off of Daddy Larry? Yes. But oh. this is a this is a good this is a good um what am I trying to say? Like change, I guess. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Mm-hmm. So naturally after the dismissal, Heather Kwan's family was fucking pissed. Well yeah. I would right? I I uh, So what did they do? They took it into their own hands and changed the law themselves. Shut your mouth. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. You know how much I love that. You know how much I love people, like, rising to action. And, like, you know what? Guess what? Like, I remember our cousin Shelby growing up, and she said that she was going to play the clarinet when she was in junior high and straight up holds her clarinet, her pretend clarinet out, out like a flute and was like, do you playing it like a flute? And Catherine, the older cousin was like, that's not how you play the clarinet. And Shelby was like, 
that's how I play my clarinet. And I feel like that pretty much sums up Shelby's personality. Like, <laughs> you know what? That's how I'm going to play my clarinet. Yeah, That's for what sure. I'm going to do with my life. You guys just sit back and watch. So I yeah. love it. This is Heather Kwan's family. So after the dismissal, according to an Arizona Daily Independent article, the family of Heather Kwan then appealed to the legislature to enact what became known as Heather's Law. <sighs> Heather's Law amended the marital privilege statute to compel a defendant's spouse to testify by providing an exception to the privilege if one of the spouses voluntarily provides police information about the other spouse's involvement. And that was kind of long-winded. Right. So pretty much you can't say, hey, I have information for you, give the information. And when you say, okay, great, let's get you on the stand, you can't then say, oh, never mind. Well, it changed, changed my, my mind. mind. Yeah. As far okay. as I understand it. Okay. So amazingly, after a legal battle, battle over whether the law could apply retroactively to Larry Carver's case uh -huh. for the murder of Heather Kwan and the attempted murder of Ryan Waller, the court ruled in favor of the state and Carver was re-indicted in November of 2011 on first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, burglary, and aggravated assault. Oh, you don't understand. You don't know. You don't know how happy I am to hear stuff like this. I preach about this all the time on this concept of like, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And if you want something changed, then do it. Like stand up, go back to school, you know, join a group. I don't know, do something and make a change. And this makes me so happy that not only did they start, they get the ball rolling, but that people were people of power, people who needed to be the people in place were like, yep, you know what? Yep. We'll hop on that bandwagon with you. Oh, and they just did the right thing. They did the right thing. That is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that, my friends, makes me more happy. That is a Christmas present in itself to me. Merry yeah, Christmas. This is the good part of it. Yeah. So following a 10-day trial, the jury deliberated for two and a half days before reaching a verdict of guilty on all counts. The trial court sentenced Larry Carver to a term of natural life on the count of first-degree murder and a total sentence of 21 years on the remaining counts to be, concert to be served consecutively. Okay. Okay. Let's hope Naturally, they didn't put him in the same cell, though. Like, don't put him back with his son. No. Because I don't think they went to different. Good. They went to different prisons. Yeah, they're not. A, that's not a good combination. That's a it's toxic like and water. relation. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a toxic relationship, friends. So naturally, Larry Carver appealed. Larry appealed well, this ruling, claiming did. that the trial court erred by permitting the state to compel Cheryl's trial testimony. Uh, again, because of Heather's law came into the case. And the court denied Larry's appeal, stating that he had had the opportunity to challenge this whole marital law, Heather's law ruling by filing a petition for review at the Supreme Court. But he never fucking did. Right. So he just sat back and bitched and moaned in his cell saying that life's not fair. Oh, yeah. And I hate that so much about people. I know. I know. I cannot handle the victim. Like, poor me. Is it time? Is it time to do it? 
poor, poor pitiful me. Poor, poor pitiful me. So Larry Carver remained in the Arizona Department of Corrections Rehabilitation Entry after his sentencing in 2013. Just last year, on June 30th, 2023, well, this year, I was thinking that we were going to post this later, but this year, June 2023, Larry Carver passed away at the Banner Casa Grande Medical Center, but I couldn't find the cause. Richie Carver is still incarcerated at the Arizona State Prison Complex in Florence, Arizona. Well, you know what? Good. I'm going to say good. Good on that. Mm-hmm. Larry. Larry. So you guys are going to hear an episode coming after the beginning of the year because we were planning on doing, well, I was planning on doing this case after, but since it happened on Christmas, we're releasing it a little early. And so what I wrote here was, so Chelsea, you had requested a case in which the initial suspect person wasn't a bad person. So y'all are going to hear that in the case when that comes out. And Chelsea, this is your case that I had up my sleeve. So that's the first part of your gift. The second thing is that what's wrapped inside is a shitty pair of socks. that's the so it's not the greatest gift ever because unfortunately the end is sad okay but i still you know it's a thought that counts it is you know and i hate again i hate i hate true crime and i love true crime all in the same breath but ultimately me being you sent me a um a an article years 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 ago and it was why people who are naturally optimistic are always running late right Mm. and it was this idea that's why i'm always on time i'm the cynical no right but i mean but the optimistic side of me is thinking i am so overwhelmed with gratitude that how many people how many people's lives will be quote unquote saved i'm not literally saying like they would die or not die because of this heather's law like Mm -hmm. that's going to leave its mark for years 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 to come and that just makes me so happy that makes me so happy when i see our government and i have a lot of good and bad things to say about that but that our government that our legal system was like we're gonna do this and we're gonna stamp it mark mm-hmm. it with a beat and put it in the oven for baby and me yeah and me happy well it's good it. and i appreciate that sprinkle of positive on the rest of this burnt cookie it is okay so okay it's safe to say that ryan waller was a good guy whose life was totally turned upside down by the asshole carvers Mm-hmm. The Carver's attack on Ryan and Heather resulted in overwhelming tragedy. Heather lost her life and Ryan was altered permanently. After Ryan was shot and arguably due to a lack of prompt medical care, Ryan's health quickly deteriorated after the violent home invasion. Over time, Ryan would eventually go blind from his injuries, leaving his parents as his full-time caregivers. Mm-hmm. 
Because of the physical trauma from the bullet followed by necessary brain surgeries that removed part of his brain, Ryan unfortunately developed significant seizures that endured the remainder of his life. A couple of years after the violent home invasion and the murder of Heather Kwan, Ryan and his family filed a lawsuit against the Phoenix Police Department demanding millions in damages to help pay for his medical bills. Mm -hmm. The grounds for this was the argument that there was unnecessary there were unnecessary delays by investigators in getting medical attention or treatment for ryan you know i'm gonna have to agree <clears throat> i'm gonna yeah. have to agree with that one however three weeks after its filing the case was dismissed apparently it was the views of the court that the police did not force ryan or restrain his rights further claiming that the delay in treatment did not affect his injury's severity. Remember, by the time he was interrogated, he had already been living with a TBI gunshot for almost two days. I mean, they're not wrong either. Ryan's family and Ryan's brain surgeon disagreed, noting that Ryan's injury caused significant brain bleeding and swelling, which led to significant damage. Mm -hmm. Regardless of this, Ryan and his family's civil case against the APD was dismissed shortly before the start of the Carver's trials. Yeah. And here's the shitty pair of socks in the present that I told you about earlier. No, I, <sighs> no, I, I kept thinking. I was like, you said something about a bad pair of socks. But I was hoping that you were just being funny and, you know, being metaphorical about that. Oh, Sadly, 10 years after the incident, on January 20th, 2016, Ryan Waller passed away. Mm -hmm. Because of the TBI from the gunshot, on that day, on January 20th, he experienced a severe seizure. He hit his head and he eventually died because of that. Ugh. Ryan Waller passed away at the age of 27 years old, just a few weeks shy of his 28th birthday. Mm. And that is the really, really sad with one sprinkle of positive part of the Heather Kwan and Ryan Waller case. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I have mixed feelings on Ryan passing away. You know, I just, I truly hope that he has peace. I hope that his family can find peace in this really awful, um, and I say that obviously very sensitively, um, because I, I cannot, I don't even want to try to pretend to imagine how hard, not only the trauma from your son being shot, but then the excitement of him living through it mm -hmm. just to drop back down into the world of living with somebody who is disabled and the hardship that goes along with that. So truly prayers out to the Wallers and the Quans. And, you know, I hate to say it, but to even the Carvers, his family. Me, yeah. Like seriously, prayer, just prayers nobody them. thinks about how i mean i don't say nobody i'm sure a lot of people don't give second thought to perpetrators families mm -hmm. i have worked with loved ones of perpetrators yeah. and the shame that they carry is i mean it's beyond what you can even fathom yeah um 
and some of them are shit bags. Don't get me wrong, but mm. for the most part, I think that everybody all around deserves. Um, I don't know, man. I think some healing, love and support. Healing, I think yeah. healing, if nothing else. I just pray that they can receive peace that passes understanding, and I pray that they can find healing with with the trials, you know, within and not, you know, obviously metaphorically and literal trials but I, I truly do pray that they find peace and rest and some healing because that's just that's one of those you, you guys you don't you don't fight bad with bad right you don't fight evil with evil <laughs> you don't wish bad things upon people because they did something bad I, I don't know that's just my personal stance on it yeah. I but, think only people who are directly affected can do whatever they want with that mm -hmm. right like the victims' families can kind of cope how they need to, but I think those of us who are not part yeah. of that kind of have to. We have different laws by which we have to abide. I don't yeah. mean literal laws. I mean like yeah. emotional, familial kind yeah. of laws that we have to abide. But absolutely. Um, and so I hope you guys really enjoyed unwrapping this shitty present with a shitty pair of socks on this beautiful Christmas Eve, and I hope that. Y'all make it to your dinners tomorrow on Christmas Day with your families. I do, too. I do, too. Because it is the most wonderful time of the year. And just love them, hug them. I don't know. Now I'm Lie about their lie about how shitty their mashed potatoes are. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, just show up. But now I'm really sad. I think I'm going to go clean my house. Because I think that'll yeah. make me feel better. I'll get some. I'll regain some control in, in my world. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope that you guys have a happy holiday, however you celebrate it. Yeah. And we will catch you in the next episode. And as Chelsea always says, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Hey, Wildside Tribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at wildside podcast make sure to tune in on wildside wednesdays new episodes will drop each wednesday at 6 a.m eastern standard time we would love to hear from you so if you have a wild case recommendation email us at wildsidepodcast at gmail.com that's wildside with a c or share your thoughts in the comments below as always, if you haven't heard it today, you're loved, you're worthy, and you're valuable. And we'll catch you on the, the flip, flip side. side.